BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You're listening to The Flock on Fox 45 Podcast, presented by Sports Unlimited, with your hosts, Morgan Adsit and Rocco DeSangro. Your Baltimore Ravens breakdown of Week 8 begins now. Well, I just think it was a team effort, you know. You say a team effort, I would, I would kind of include the fans in that too, you know, just an all-around team effort. I mean, we had a lot of fans here. When they shouted the O to start, it sounded like a home game almost. I mean, I don't know what the numbers were, but they were loud and they were into it the whole game. You guys are looking at me like I just need to start this right off the bat. Wow. All right. Welcome into another week. The Flock on Fox 45. another perfect open for our podcast. Did you use it last week? Yes, we did. Oh, man. Here wow, we go. He definitely I'm have listens. to start hitting the really record listens. button after yeah, I did this. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> anyway, the Ravens coming off a big 27-22 win over the Buccaneers. Two straight wins for the first time this season. And that's big for this football team going forward. The schedule gets easier from here on out, and that's a good thing. A sluggish start to open this game. The offense, they they woke up in the second half. Jaffe, you and I talked about it last night, kind of like you and I. After we drink our coffee, we wait, we sit. We're not productive during the day. I'm not productive right now. I get some coffee in me, and then I wake up after uh, a certain thing happens. You know, then then I get productive. I'm not going to, you know. Anyway, no, number two, what we're going to talk about. Sorry, had to. Uh, wow, real <laughs> mature. I, so, the Ravens did look like they were working with a lighter load in the second half. Yeah, lighter. It yeah, turned about after quarter like number two, lighter exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, key injuries in this game. Mark Andrews, Rashad Bateman, Gus Edwards. We're going to talk about how those guys are doing, the status of their health going forward, how long they might or might not be out. Uh, the Ravens' defense, another pretty solid performance. The lone touchdown in the second half they gave up during garbage time. Lamar holding up a certain sign that pointed <laughs> at his future in Baltimore, perhaps. And they don't play again, again until November 7th. They have a little bit of time off, and then they go into the bye. We're going to talk some Halloween, too, of course. It's coming. It's here. So some some scariest opponents on that schedule. Maybe our favorite candies, favorite scary movies. I don't know. We got a whole bunch for you in this podcast. Let's... Let's start with this team last night. That was one of the worst first-half performances I've ever seen. That, that might have been one of the worst things I've ever seen, and I've seen Tom Shively swing a golf club. Uh, but it was, <laughs> it was really, really bad football in the first half. 15 total yards after that first quarter of play, negative five yards rushing. What was going on with this football I, team early on? I think you're jumping the gun on the scariest stuff we've seen here. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, you know, it's, it's the Thursday night magic. It, it, there is something about Thursday nights this year that it's just not good-looking football. No one would argue that the Bucks were even looking that good. I mean, it got it got scary towards the end of that first half when Tom Brady had them marching down the field, and you're thinking, boy, ten to three, they put up another score here. You know, the game might be over given the Thursday night trends and the lack of offense. And then, bang, back-to-back sacks, and you sort of felt like, okay, heading into halftime, this team's starting to wake up. Well, first of all, I beat you by eight strokes when we played. Second of all... You cheated. 
<laughs> Did I? I don't know. Yeah. I can't count well. Math isn't my strength, so maybe a couple, couple golf balls that. you found or yeah, didn't right, find yet. They just popped yeah. up exactly. You're playing the foot wedge a little bit. But continue. I mean, like looking back at Thursday night, I, I think the way you kind of spin it positively, if you're a Ravens fan, is they've had stretches where the offense hasn't been great this year, and it's come back to burn them when the other offenses get going. But Tampa, you think about that first possession where they uh, muff a punt and they get the ball. In the red zone. Smart play by only, Justice Hill, by the way, to push push one of the guys on Tampa into the return man right there. That's that's genius. Yeah, and you kind of, you know, they only get three out of that, and you're like, hmm, here it goes again. And, you know, it, it might not be their night. And then they kind of bounce back from that, and they're able to only be down seven and a half, despite really not playing a good half at all. And then you kind of come out with the adjustment in the second half, and you look a lot more comfortable. I would say only coming away with three. When I was thinking about it, we were all watching it last night saying, oh, my gosh, are they going to go for it and come away with nothing? It almost felt like coming away with three was a victory. Like Buffalo, yeah, that's what they did. Yeah, yeah. well, we're going to get into those adjustments in the second half. They came out. By the way, John Harbaugh said that this was all planned. The The offense, not obviously not scoring three points. Nobody ever wants to see that. But offensively, Lamar Jackson threw the ball 30 times in the first half. That's pretty absurd considering he's a guy that's averaging just around 28 passing attempts per game entering this contest. So with that, the lack of the rushing attack, it, it was it was a tough look for the Ravens in the first half. And that's something that John Harbaugh talked about after this one. No, 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 no. That was that was that was the plan. We had it. We had a plan going in in terms of how we were going to try to approach this game and it really laid out exactly how we had anticipated in terms of what we called when we called it you know in terms of the run pass ratio I thought we'd do a little better than three points I mean we all thought we'd score a little more than three but their defense is tough and uh, you know we didn't couldn't get any couldn't just get going with first downs and get, get any drives extended but that was how we planned on doing it so in the second half I mean that first half like I said disastrous and Greg Roman was catching a ton of heat on Twitter and he's not reading tweets he doesn't know what's going on he's just going going and doing his job and it is what it is, but, I mean, he did catch a ton of heat in the first half, and rightfully so. The Ravens looked like garbage in the first half. But coming out of that second half, they scored on their first three offensive possessions, and they didn't. it wasn't field goal, field goal, touchdown, or field goal, touchdown. Field, it was touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. And that's exactly what Lamar talked about this past week, the week before. He's like, we don't want to rely on Tuck, and that's not a knock on Justin Tucker and his talent. They want to punch points in the end zone, and that's what any offense strives to do. It's score touchdowns. They don't want to settle for – that's why it's called settling for a field goal because you you can't score. You can't punch it into the end zone, and that's exactly what happened. Touchdown, 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 and, and this offense, it just – it was honestly probably their best second half of football offensively all season long. It looked fantastic. Yeah, I mean, anytime you rush for 230 yards in the second half, you, you have to feel comfortable with how the offense is looking. I think they did a great job as well staying on the field in the second half they lost short drives in the first half Tampa that defense is old and they you know the more they're on the field the more likely you're going to burn them later in the game and I think they just kind of wore them down in the second half and that certainly helped them out especially on a Thursday night they're coming off four days rest so this is hurting both teams I think more so on the defensive side of the ball and the Ravens took advantage of that in the second half this is the first time this year in the second half they didn't turn the ball over that I that pretty much is the big adjustment. You can make the play calling, you know, changes, the strategy changes, those adjustments, you know, the talking point. But the bottom line is they didn't waste any possessions. Um, even against the Bengals when they were just knocking field goals, they still had a turnover on downs. They still went for it. Um, and when you consider that they've had nine turnovers in the second half this year, 
uh, eliminating that from their game certainly was a huge boost. And we talked about how they ran the ball in the second half and how well they run 200-plus yards on the ground. Isaiah Likely, the rookie, he came in for Mark Andrews, who was injured in this game, and he played an unbelievable football game. Six receptions, 77 yards, his first touchdown. And he actually talked after the game about how Morgan Moses was the one being vocal, saying, saying run the ball from the sideline. Uh, I felt like we did a great uh, job in the run game. I mean, you heard Big Mo shout to the, uh, the sideline to run the ball. And, I mean, when you're a Raven, you're going to run the ball. And I felt like Coach Harbaugh is going to be real impressed when he sees me on film blocking. <laughs> <laughs> so, likely, that's what we saw from him in the preseason and in training camp, what this guy is capable of. He's a rookie. And doing that, be, being able to step in, for a future Hall of Fame tight end in Mark Andrews. I mean, that, that guy's going to be in Canton one day, what he's able to do, and he's going to sustain a successful career over, over the course of however long he decides to play football. He's going to be one of the guys that goes down, he wears that gold jacket. But for Likely to come in and do what he did and to replace a guy like Mark Andrews, not that they want him to replace him for the rest of his career, but for right now, Andrews goes down with a shoulder injury in the first half, walks off the field, and he's this team's best target offensively. He's their best. I know he's a tight end, but he's their best receiving uh, receiver um, target. So, I mean, to lose a guy like that, that's tough on Lamar Jackson. Then Rashad Bateman, he leaves the game. He gets ruled out with a foot injury to not have those guys. Um, and then Gus Edwards, he goes out late in the fourth quarter. Tom, you all right over there? Coughing a little bit? I mean, Good. I was hoping right. we'd just, cut just out the cough. It, just so making sure. You know what? expose nah, me we'll, like that. We'll but keep, all right. Yeah, you're getting exposed over here. Anyway, so Andrews, Bateman, Gus Edwards. Edwards is done a couple minutes into the fourth on that long run. And uh, this offense just continued to go to work and do do what they were capable of. And it was really impressive to see um, what Lamar Jackson and the offense was able to do. Yeah, it, having that target in the middle of the field when Mark Andrews went down, likely stepping up, you really swung the game, I think, in that second half. It, it showed that Lamar Jackson had a target that he could trust out there still with so many weapons down and he just looked comfortable with Lamar and likely in doing what they were doing and it was it was fun to see knowing how many injuries there were last year and the inability to get going offensively that they were still able to do it this like year. they have experience in the injury department <laughs> and they, they they know what they're but, capable of going forward. But now. even the inexperienced players stepping yeah. up, there is some serious talent. And it, this team, even though they didn't get the flashy wide receiver that everyone had been clamoring, clamoring for, has a little bit of depth. I'm telling you, man, this rookie class is really good. And it's really impressed me so far through seven, eight weeks of the season. I mean, Marlon Humphrey was calling likely Baby Gronk on Twitter. so I, And I think it's comfortable, too, knowing we got nothing from Andrews last week, and they still won the game. So this is yeah. two straight weeks where Andrews, I think he had three catches for 33 in this game before he got hurt. So two straight games where you don't get peak production from Andrews and you still find a way to win. I think that's really comforting if you're a Ravens fan and you look at, all right, what other ways can they get it done on the offensive side of the ball? And here's the good news about the Bateman injury and the Andrews injuries, both of them, um, they're, they're not serious. And that's exactly what John Harbaugh said after the game. They're not believed to be serious. Bateman, it was a tweak of what he had before. As for Gus Edwards, he was hoping that's not serious as well. Let me find his exact quote right here, what he said about Edwards after the game. Um, on Gus Edwards, that injury going forward, he said that 
Gus has a hamstring, doesn't look too bad, but we'll know more tomorrow, and that is that is now today. So I haven't heard or seen anything about Edwards. I'm, I'm hoping that's a good sign because he was a beast. Like Gus, Gus the bus is back, and he's ready to roll, and it's really showing in this run game um, what they're capable of. Yeah, it was that second half. I mean, obviously with 200 yards rushing, um, but it wasn't just him, right? You, you were saying Morgan Moses was like, hey, run the ball, and they stuck with it. And it's been hit or miss this year. Last night, the second half, they got the job done running it. Yeah, and Edwards, he had 11 carries for 65 yards before he even went out. So he was getting the, the bulk of the carries, and that's – it's a good thing for a guy that's playing in just his second game with this Baltimore Ravens football team. So a lot to look forward to for, from out of him going forward. And what's good is the Ravens, they get a bit of a rest. They don't play again until Monday Night Football. We'll get into that the next week um, going forward. Let's continue to talk about this one, though. Ravens defense, second straight impressive game. For me, it's, you know, printer's going off right now. Someone's just printing papers while we're doing the podcast. It's the ghost of printer's past. Sorry, I have, like, severe ADD, so, like, something jumps Anything out. I'm like, squirrel, looking over there. What do we got, Jaffe? Is someone printing out stats it or facts like for us? It looks like we have some court documents. Court documents. All right. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, Ravens defensively. This is a newsroom. It's a yeah, functioning it is, newsroom. It is a newsroom. It's, in, it's the sports office, though. The Bucks only scored 12 points in the second half. They didn't score a single point in the third. And the Ravens, you know, the Ravens offense helped out with that. Just long drives, just punching them in the mouth. But defensively, after that, you know, stepping up and burying the Browns late, they were able to kind of do the same against the Bucks. Aside from that, I don't want to call it a garbage time TV because it or garbage time TD because it meant something. If they did score and recover the onside kick, it's a whole different ball game. But it kind of was. It was like with 45, 46 yeah. seconds left. Um, the the Instagram live after the game was quite something. We were we were hanging around yeah, the sports after we, you know, we should have been out of here, but it was just so wildly entertaining. But one of the moments that stuck out to me was, oh, I can't remember who was uh, hosting it, uh, calling Justin Houston. He's uh, jumped into the fountain of youth. Oh yeah, no, and Houston was unbelievable. Two sacks. He's been fantastic and. He's averaging, according to Pro Football Focus, one sack every 20-and-a-half pass rush snaps at this age. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Fountain of youth for Justin Houston. Uh, I look at the rushing yards for Tampa. Under 50, you make Tom Brady beat you through the air. This season, the way he's looked, you're probably going to win that game. And I think Tom Brady got his. A lot of that was late in the second half when the Ravens had a two-score lead. But you're comfortable with that. I think if you're the Ravens, knowing that Tampa couldn't really get it going, especially even in that first half on offense when the Ravens looked so bad, they still kept it close. Yeah, and that the second sack that Houston was able to get on Brady, it made Tom Brady the most sacked quarterback in NFL history. He passed Ben Roethlisberger, and that's, I mean, for Houston, he's a member of the 100-sack club already. He's had a really, really solid career, what he's been able to do as a pass rusher, but that's got to be up there as far as accolades go to be to make Tom Brady the most sacked quarterback of all time, am I right? Uh, yeah, he's, Tom Brady's going to go down with all of the records. You might as well take that one, too. <laughs> What's the, do you have the number? How many How many it is? I do not have the number off the uh. top of my head. No, but Houston, he did talk about sacking Tom Brady and that stat. It was brought up to him in the post-game press conference. Here's what he had to say. Pretty cool stuff. It's not surprising because I'm pretty sure he the oldest quarterback and played the longest out of everybody. So it's not surprising that that's the case. But 
I didn't know that at all. Anytime you can, you can put that under your belt against Tom Brady, I think that's a plus. I'll, I'll take it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So the win was big, but all the buzz on social media was from what happened after the clock hit zero. Lamar Jackson, I guess he, I didn't know, I didn't see how he got the sign, but it said, he got a hold of a sign that said, Ravens, pay him now. And it said it had his number eight on the side. He held it up, held it up to the crowd. That's where like the kind of screenshot comes from. And he was trying to find the person who made this sign. He found the guy. He signed it. He jumped up. He high-fived him. And then he ran off the field. And if I'm the front office, it's kind of sending a message right to you. Like, the guy wants to be paid. But here's the thing. Lamar paused all contract talks. And that was his decision because it was going to be a distraction. He wanted to focus on football. But when – and I think Lamar should get paid. I think they should pay him. I don't know when they're going to or when it's going to happen, but I mean to see what he did last night. They started sluggish and like you're you're riding this guy win or loss. Like you need Lamar Jackson to be at his best to win games. If he's not, you're going to lose games. He's so valuable to this team and that's why he was the MVP unanimously of the year uh unanimously in the NFL in 2019. But to see that, it's like all right, what's the deal here? I enjoyed it. I mean, like he took his vow of silence on contract talks. Technically, he didn't say anything. He got the sign, yelled it up, smiled a bit, and they cheered, and he moved on. It's a sign, for lack of a better word, that <laughs> oh, good one, Jeff. he's human, right? Of yeah. course he no, wants of course. to get paid. Of course. of course, it's going to be in the back of his mind when he's playing. But when you watch the games, it doesn't, to me, feel like it's a distraction on the field. When you... See him hold up that sign, though. Uh, here, here's your positive spin. The most you know, outlandish take you could have on it is, you know, if he doesn't want to be here, he doesn't hold it up. You know, he wants to stay in Baltimore. That's obvious to me. You could tell, man. He'd like to get paid here. You could tell. He's going to people's weddings. He was at someone's wedding. He just popped in like <laughs> yeah. the I saw that on social media. That's so cool. And, like, I saw a report from Skip Bayless about how he's not holding out. He's, like, holding in. Basically, like, he's... He's Skip Bayless said that Lamar has like not been as focused, according to one of his sources. He's like been late to meetings, which I think that's complete crap, man. I really do. I can't. I can't believe that a guy who loves winning so much and cares so much about this football team, money aside, like you could be disgruntled, you could be a little ticked off, and you could feel some type of way. But I, I really doubt that that's the case with this guy and this this football team. I feel like we we would hear about that if that's the case, and like I'm sure that he's going to be asked about that going forward. I'm sure he's going to be asked about holding up the sign going forward, even though we haven't been asking him questions about the contract talks because that's kind of behind everyone for now. But it's to hear that and to see that, but and to see how this guy came out and performed in the second half, it's like, come on, man. Are we just saying things to say him now? 
Yeah, he'd be if he really cared so much about just getting his payday, but still playing so that he can cash his weekly checks. Yeah, he'd be throwing the ball out of bounds instead of running it. No, if he he would have he would have held out. He yeah. wouldn't have showed up to training camp. He wouldn't have shown up. I'm just saying, man. I, Somebody's gonna pay him. It's the Ravens. The question is just: Is that gonna be you, or are you gonna watch someone else turn him into their franchise quarterback? Well, I'll tell you this: It's the Ravens front office does have the upper hand because they can franchise tag him. So the ball's in. Not really why, like, why wouldn't you if you're the Ravens, right? Exactly. Right. It's a smart move, but I think he's going to get paid, and I think we're we're seeing these quarterbacks get paid, and the market value's going up. You don't want the market value to go up too high where you're you know, spending way too much money, but he deserves to get paid, and he deserves to get a solid payday. Well, of course he's going to get paid, right? So either the Ravens are going to give him a big contract or franchise tag him, or yep. someone's going to offer an insane amount of first-round picks and mortgage the entire future for him. The Ravens will have number one QB picks to pick from for years to come and salary. How many of those guys are going to be Lamar Jackson, though? That's always the question. Exactly. You never know. It's true. I mean, you look at what the Rams did. Like the Eagles this year, too. It kind of seems like they're doing that, too. So it's one of those situations. But in recent NFL history, on Lamar's side is you look at Kirk Cousins. He took his franchise tag, made his top annual QB pay. What do you get? Two guaranteed, guaranteed, two guaranteed deals. Guaranteed, guaranteed, and then the big money from the Vikings down the road. It, so, and that's where it seemed like that kind of there was kind of a disconnect there between the two sides. Like I'm not sitting in the room. You're not sitting. Like none of us are sitting in the room. We don't know what's going on. Honestly, like we're not going to lie and say we do. Make things up, but it seemed to be a disconnect of the guaranteed money, the deal. Seem like the Ravens. The Ravens want to keep him here. Yeah, they love him. No one. The city loves him. No one's. I don't think disappointed. Really, right now, it's just all right. This is this is the status quo. Things could be worse. I enjoy playing here. I enjoy my teammates. I enjoy my bosses. So I'm going to go out and keep playing. There are worse situations to be, and I want my money. But we're happy here. I I'll say this: winning is fun. Winning is fun, and when you're winning games, it makes everything that much better. Now, if they were to lose last night. They're to lose again, and they were to go on a bit of a streak, and that report comes up. All right, maybe it makes it a little bit more believable because then you see it. But they just won back-to-back games for the first time this season. Teams in the driver's seat of the AFC North. Things are looking great in Charm City right now. It's not, might not be the record that fans in this team wants, but like I said, first place is first place. You could do a lot with that. So the Ravens do not play again. Until November 7th, which is nice for this team. You can rest up Mark Andrews. You can rest up Bateman. You can rest up Gus Edwards. A lot of the guys that got banged up in this game because with a quick turnaround, you get injuries. Calais Campbell, he was dealing with an illness. He'll be back, I'm sure. Um, But to be able to get those guys back, we might see Tyus Bowser. We might see David Ajabo soon. Who knows when we get those guys back or when we see them, but it could be soon. Um, It's... It's big to have this much time off because when you're hitting, when you're getting hit, it takes a toll on your body. And as you can see, it it happened last night in that Thursday night game. Yeah, I think um, not just having that extra day for Monday night, but the bye week that follows is just one of the biggest gifts the NFL could have given to the Ravens uh, with this schedule. A perfect midseason bye following a Thursday night and Monday night stretch. I wonder if football players are like 
us in any way, shape, or form. We're like, you see vacation on the horizon. You're like, I have these three days. Like, it's so close. I can almost, you know, can reach out and grab it. And that, like with the bye week, they're just like waiting to get there. They can't wait to get that that off week to rest their bodies and to do whatever. Obviously, they love playing the game. They wouldn't be doing it if they didn't. But it's got to, you know, it's got to be nice and, and a sigh of relief to get to oh, that no bye doubt. week. For sure. I'll pose this question to you guys. What's harder? The short turnaround prepping for not just a game or any anything, you know, in life, you know, for your job or whatever, or knowing right after that short turnaround you get an extra three days off. I think oh, you're saying what's harder? To keep focus to keep Oh, the to focus. keep focus. Well, oh, that's a tough one, man. Honestly. I'd say the short the the vacation on the rock because it, it's a little bit of a distraction for like for for a normal person because you can continue grinding. You're like, all right, I got three more days and then you got vacation. Or I got four more days and then you got vacation rather than, all right, like I work tomorrow, I work the next day, whatever. I'm just going to do it and grind it out. It's like we've so, got 11 straight days. I've yeah. already worked a full week. I got four. How do you keep that focus up for another four days? Yeah. My focus is shot, like vacation on the horizon. Always or Forget right about now? it. Forget about it. Vaca- <laughs> I don't have vacation on the horizon. You do so. have vacation on I the don't. horizon? I don't. I get off. I get off Friday and Saturday. I'm like my off days are switching, so I'm I'm looking forward to that being off of Friday and Saturday oh, for right. like kind of it doesn't happen too often in in local TV, but to be able to get one week and go to a wedding and enjoy that it's it's uh it's very nice. All right, so Halloween it's soon. It's Monday. We're getting into Halloween talks. We're the scariest opponent on the Ravens schedule going forward since we're in that Halloween spirit. Who is the scariest opponent left on the Baltimore Ravens schedule? I think you have to look ahead to Week 17. It's a team they've seen already. It's a division opponent. It's the Bengals. They're in Cincinnati that week. You know, division might still be at stake. Cincinnati, I think, is at least going to be in the playoff conversation. So, Jamar Chase is out, like, at least the next four weeks. So, are they going to tread water enough? But I think we saw what they did last year, got hot at the end of the season. It's obviously a team that has experience, so... Is that game going to matter, and how are the Ravens going to handle it on the road late in the season? For me, it's Pittsburgh. You get them twice. And when you play a rival, I don't care how down they are this year, strange things happen. They trip you up once that can swing the division, especially if the Bengals get hot. And it just feels like something could happen in one of those two games. You, You just don't know. And I get nervous about it. <laughs> so for me, I'm going to have to agree with you here, Tom, because their schedule is super easy from here on out. It's outside of the division. Division games are always tough. You never know what you're going to get with them because you play these teams twice a year. But at New Orleans with Andy Dalton likely quarterbacking this football team, that's... Hey, don't knock gingers. Well, we... anyway, <laughs> anyway. Carolina, I know they beat Tom Brady and the Bucks, but... I'm sorry. I got to give my Temple guy, P.J. Walker, a lot of credit. I covered him in college, but I don't see him beating the Baltimore Ravens. Um, at Jacksonville, that should be a win, too. Versus Denver and the Broncos at home. Broncos country, let's ride. Justin Tucker. If, if Russ, Justin keeps, Tucker work, was if Russ keeps working out on the plane, Justin though, yeah. Tucker, it was hilarious. I got to bring that up. Justin Tucker was trolling Russell Wilson last night. Uh, Marlon Humphrey did his victory Instagram live. And Tucker goes, Lamar's about to lead us in high knees on the plane. He goes, Ravens flock, let's fly. 
And it was so funny. But then he went on to say, we respect him. We play him. Yeah, he like, threw he that himself. in real casually at the end. Yeah. But it went viral. Like, he was like, <laughs> was like oh, killing yeah, us for that, man. But that's Tremendous so respect you know for them. You know it's bad. I know Justin yeah. Tucker is the best kicker in the history of this game. But you know it's bad oh, yeah. when an opponent's kicker is trash talking oh, yeah, you and man. it's not was, a that, drunk Mike Vanderjack. I laughed out loud so hard. And, oh, my goodness. That was so good. So Denver at home on, on December 4th. That's my mom's birthday. Happy birthday, Mom. Uh, in the, I guess I'll have to say happy birthday to her. Then it's her 60th. Um, at Pittsburgh, at Cleveland, versus Atlanta, versus Pittsburgh. And then at Cincinnati to finish off the season. Yeah, to me, it's the Bengals. Jamar chases. I mean, they already beat them. But beating a team twice is one of the hardest things to do in football but is chase really going to be back and healthy? yeah yeah he should be a team above 500 too yeah the entire stretch so i don't know man it's uh it's tough it's it's an easy schedule from here on out and the ravens i mean they really control their own destiny they clearly do right now they're atop the afc north standing so yeah all right scariest movie you've ever seen Scariest movie, not necessarily the scariest movie, but the most I've been scared during a movie. I watched The Village, um, and Adrian Brody was in it. And it just, I don't know, it was a real creepy movie about a village of people. And um, as we were finishing it up, I was like 12 years old, like me and my mom were were watching the movie. There's like a sound, like a scratching in my wall. And I was like freaking out. 12 years old, you're like, what's going on? It ended up being a squirrel, but I couldn't sleep that night. So the village, I'll probably never watch again. I'll probably always have nightmares from if I do watch it. But that one, that one really got me. I got a two-part answer actually. One, number one is the original Halloween, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, I think special effects overdo it a lot. And Halloween, I'm I'm like more build up the suspense, you know. And I think it's very suspenseful, and that that scares me a little bit more than seeing blood or anything like that. So I'd go with that. Um, this is a weird one though. But do you guys remember the movie Taken? Yes. The trailer for Taken used to really scare me when I was younger with Liam Neeson like listen to me they're going they're going <laughs> to take guy, you man. he was not, a I know, but guy. he's like talking to his daughter and he's like they're going to take you and like you see their shoes yeah. like, under the bed and dude to this day I still look under my bed when I get home make sure there's no one listen to me they're going to take you and I was like 29 years old coming for me oh no for me it's it's a movie like the sixth sense that one it doesn't have a jump out scary moment that one scared me too this long suspenseful you you feel like something's gonna happen and then it just it just keeps it at that intense level of god dang that just freaks me out sorry no no i get it all right guys this is fantastic uh another week of the flock on fox 45 in the books to all the trick-or-treaters that come by my place i'm very sorry the candy i have is going to be like the worst candy you've ever gotten in your life because like i ate all the good stuff i bought a whole Whole bag, like whole two bags of like big candy. I ate all the Reese's. I ate all the Snickers. I ate all the Twix for the most part. Maybe some M&M's and Almond Joys left there. But uh, happy Halloween. Enjoy it. We will be back. Jaffe, when are we coming back? Tuesday night. Tuesday, Tuesday night. After the Monday football game on the 7th. We will be back on whenever, whenever Jaffe says so. So thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to The Flock on Fox 45 Podcast, presented by Sports Unlimited. Stay up to date on the latest Ravens coverage. Check the Sports Unlimited tab on foxbaltimore.com.